Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Build Amazing Things Securely. My name is Laura Belmain, and today we are getting into all things health. We have a special guest today, Lisa Hall, who is joining us from Colour. Now, I have a role, as you know, I do not do the introductions, so I'm going to ask you, Lisa, firstly, how are you today? And welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. Thanks so much. Fantastic. Good start. Right. Next up, who are you as a human, Lisa? Ooh, <laughs> I love this. I love this question. Um, well, my name is Lisa. Um, I am in security, as you know, um, and I um, kind of happened into the space. Um, I am also a Bay Area native in uh, California here, which I think there's a handful of us left. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I didn't, uh, I guess as a human, I, I, I imagine that I'm a pretty empathetic person um, and I didn't get into uh, security based out of like the traditional technology CS route. So I have a myriad of things that I'm into and um, now I have more like, questions than I have answers. I know. Like, <laughs> I, I, I love this because um, I get the chance to ask people, well, so what was your background if you just happened into security? Where did yeah, you come from? Well, I, I kind of jumped around um, colleges for a bit. Uh, I went to a few different art schools. Oh, nice. Uh, awesome. fashion school. Oh, yeah. Totally not related to CSO. <laughs> no, I love it. Um, it's wild. But I do think security is a creative industry and you have to think creatively to solve some of these problems so I think it aligns well no I, absolutely um, and we, we've had folks that we've talked to who've done everything from jazz musicians before there were security people uh, right across the it. spectrum so uh, welcome fellow arts person um, that's awesome yeah, that's so great. the reason that we like asking you know about you as a human is because security isn't about anyone having you know this giant handbook that was given to us at the end of college and suddenly we're you know the guru in the space it's about people it's people making decisions and trying their best to protect what matters to them and in the context of this podcast it's amazing technology and things so lisa that brings me to what do you do as a job right now you just sort of under i love you you're very understated you're like oh i do security stuff Let's dig into that. What specific security stuff do you do? Well, today I am at Color Health um, and I lead the security team here, security, GRC, IT, the whole um, bucket. And yeah, we are um, first and foremost a healthcare company. Um, we start off doing genetic testing and fortunately we have we had the tools and resources to shift during the pandemic to also assist in a lot of COVID testing. We have a lab, the actual lab, people that look like they're doctors and suits and things. <laughs> that, that, that is, I've, I've, I've seen Lego sets, they have those in. So yeah, that must yes. be right. I'm like, you just look smarter than me and I need you to just do your thing with your science. <laughs> Go do science, um, awesome, cool. I could do science. <laughs> this is coming from art background, right? I'm like, what? <laughs> it's all good, we're gonna get to this. Um, Okay, so we we are doing health now. One of the things we do in the show is we dig into different verticals, everything from esports to fashion to health. And you know, health isn't just one thing. I think that's what I'm I'm learning as I go along. So you know, you look after the security, but that must be quite a broad set of technologies and things that you're protecting. Can you give us like a high level view of the types of things that you try and have to protect when you're in a company like Color Health? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think health is, like you mentioned, it is a really interesting space and very broad as well. Um, and so one of the things that struck me when I first joined was um, I was at SaaS companies before. I was at PagerDuty for about three years, um, still sensitive information, but different types of information. So we have people's healthcare data and their genetic data. Um, and we have a lab. And this was, you know, a long time ago, not to date myself, but like I've worked in places that had data centers and like not everything was in the cloud and you tour the data center. Um, and this was the first time in a long time where I had like a physical space. It wasn't just like, yes, it's an office. We have a badge. We make sure people are escorted. Yada, yada. Like things are fine. Um, this is like a lab and a space where it, you know, like the actual data is physical uh, and traveling around and needs to be processed physically. And so it was a very different mindset. So we not only have the data once it's in, you know, a non-physical form and traveling around the internet, uh, we also have it in a physical form and just, just being able to kind of look at it from, look at risk and threats from that um, standpoint was a whole new and interesting world. And I think this is really well-timed. I think a lot of us, you know, many of us have been around a while, you know, we have the gray hairs to prove it, but we, I definitely tend to forget these days that, you know, we focus so much on secure development and application security, like it's just the code that we build, but our systems aren't just code. They're the people that use them. They're the, you know, the weird paper copy data that's somewhere over there. They're, you know, they're all sorts of things. And it's only when you protect all of those together that we can say that we're doing our job. Um, so, so talk me through this. So what kinds of technologies, um, are, are we talking, you know, custom built applications? Are we talking about off the shelf things? How does health work? Is it as a technology company? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. And you, we probably find this in a lot of companies where sometimes it's like, hey, this is gonna be better if we just build it ourselves because it's very nuanced and kind of with healthcare too. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is just our jam. This is the thing we're discovering now and, and creating it now. Hence the, you know, the outfits and the labs and the, <laughs> the, the technology we're making. Um, but we also use a lot of like standard tools and we are in the cloud. Um, so we use a lot of like SaaS based tools, like standard technology um, security tools. Um, so uh, like in the back end, a lot of I think what we do is very similar to your, your standard SaaS company, um, just with the nuances of hey, we've got this test strip of someone's like COVID testing or even, you know, STI testing. Like we probably don't want this uh, just laying around or getting out. Uh, so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we think about risk models a lot. And we talk about threat modeling and and we talk about the data that we're storing. But I mean, the, the breadth of health data and the, the impacts it could have on a person are huge. Um, so, you know, if, if you're able to share with us, and how do you threat model how the data works, you know, on the sensitivity of the data that you're holding? How do you think about that as a security person? Because it feels to me, but I'm not from this space, like there's a, a much broader range of impacts that you would be playing with than just, hey, we lost some dollars and cents, although dollars and cents will right. be in there, definitely in there somewhere. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we'll get fined, you know, for HIPAA violation for this amount, but what's the actual risk? And I think to me, that's the fun and exciting part of working at different companies because you get to think about these problems and they're different for each place you go. Like, it's, yeah, it's obviously like, oh, yep. If we lose some stuff, we're going to have to pay for credit monitoring or be fined, right? Like the, the dollars and cents, as you say, but the threat modeling part is really interesting because you get to look at it and say, 
for us, for example, you know, public knowledge, we do COVID testing, we do STI testing, we do genetic testing. So the risk of a COVID test getting out, uh, I don't know, maybe not as risky as if someone's HIV positive. And then you look at like, well, who, who would be looking to get this information? Like, are we talking about like a parent, a partner, your employer? Mm. Uh, like who would be interested in this? Someone who wants to attack you or I don't know, ransom information from you, um, find information on a celebrity, like all of the interesting ways you can think of like who would actually want this information. And when you get into like genetics and, um, and like STI, some things that don't change like COVID, you're like, okay, you're positive by the time they get it, the person was negative. What is the impact? Mm. Um, not that, you know, it's still impactful because it's personal information, but all of the scenarios you can think of to protect around like who would want this information? How would they get it? Are we putting someone at risk? Um, how can we protect these humans and like information that doesn't change about them, like their genetics and yeah. it's not just a credit card number. You can just be like, yep, let me just get a new one. Um, like this is very important data that can be really impactful and could impact, could be life or death, right? Could potentially depending on what, you know, what's happening with them. Yeah. So I, I, um, yeah, I, on a personal level, I, I think I'm just probably, you know, I'm just weirdly processing this as we talk. So let, let's kind of work through this. I don't think as an individual that I'm able to really comprehend that a company, whether it's you or, you know, uh, 23andMe or whoever it is right. could have a copy of, you know, my genetics, that, that my, yeah. that my DNA, my sequence. Um, and like, to me, it, it still feels very abstract. You know, it's, oh, it's a yeah. thing. It's just, it's like, you know, a little attribute about me. But I, I, I really don't think that I'm equipped yet to process the importance of that. And I think, you know, as you're communicating risk about particularly health data sets, things like this, it, do you find it challenging to to talk to folks in your organization about the risk of some of these bits of data that maybe that risk is a little bit more kind of abstract rather than, you know, you're going to physically hurt or you're going to lose some money? Right. Um, what I found, and I've been in at least two healthcare uh, companies at this point in my career, um, I have found that generally the people in these roles and these companies are already like very empathetic and and wanting to protect people it's almost what drove them to get into yeah. this industry so i think they're very generally as a community very open to um like hearing about risk and wanting to protect and and caring about it um, yeah. knowing like oh these are humans this isn't just I don't know, a bank that not, okay, I want the banks to be protected. Sorry, but. <laughs> All good, we understand. I really like, I like my banks, but <laughs> um, yeah, just information that, um, like you said, it's just, it's health data, it's genetic data, it's things that, you know, don't change and that we just have to look at differently. Um, so yeah, I found that the community is just very receptive to hearing, you know, I don't know, about how we can protect data and what we should do to be secure. So the conversations have, um, have been pretty like pretty good overall in this space that I found a lot of people mm. really care about it in general um, and when I have trouble describing things I always just turn to analogies and <laughs> so I'm just like let me put this in a way that makes sense even though I don't have to dive into the super technical side of it so um, 
yeah, but really receptive. So that's really good. And I think perhaps, you know, a, a lot of our audience are software engineers or in software engineering teams all around the world. And so I think, you know, maybe that's a nice reminder to us as we move between industries. So perhaps you don't stay in banking forever or, or you know, you start out in esports and you move somewhere else that there is a culture inherent in the vertical that you're in that will impact the receptiveness to security. And I think that's important. So, um, you know, you've, you've done security across, you know, health and, you know, other types of organizations, Lisa. Um, would you say it's, this is a really horrible question. I don't know why I'm going to ask it. Forgive me in advance. But Go for it. <laughs> is it easier to do it in health because of that culture or is it harder? I wouldn't say easier to do it in healthcare. I think, again, generally people are more receptive to it. Um, but I think on a like a higher level, having executive leadership and a company that does understand and care about security in general, it doesn't matter what vertical. Um, and sometimes those things are very like scary risk-based, like, oop, we lose this, we're going to be fined a lot. Um, and maybe in healthcare, it's a little more like, oh, we want it. We need to do the right thing because these are humans in their yeah. lives uh, that we're affecting. But for some, doesn't really, you know, to get the thing done for security, it doesn't necessarily matter as long as we have buy-in from leadership. And, you know, it's not just me standing on my soapbox saying, <laughs> I really <laughs> like you to do this thing. And it's really important. Um, so really get just getting buy-in from from stakeholders um, and having like building that trust, I would say is probably. So I'm going to ask because people will be asking. So we, we've historically got this divide between us and software and the folks in security and everyone knows it's yes. like being in high school all over again, but we don't talk about it. Um, it's true. So, you know, from from your experience doing this so far, what helps build that kind of understanding and, and that buy-in from that senior level? Do you need to go hard data nerd and, you know, you're all spreadsheets and, and as your love language or or is there something else? I think um, for me, it really is just like starting off with that trust, the relationships that um, that you get from people and really understanding like they're not our enemy. We're not sitting on different sides of the cafeteria, you know, throwing food at each other. We all have a common goal, which is to make this business successful, you know, and maybe maybe benefit from it a little ourselves. We get a paycheck. Uh, and, no shame <laughs> so in that. Really make it work. Uh, and, and also being a good listener and hearing like what other teams are interested in and what they're working on and not just being like, again, security, I think we do have a bad rep of kind of just forcefulness and saying that's our way or the highway uh, must do it this way without really giving the why. And so mm -hmm. understanding, you know, the roadblocks that our peers are facing and how they're, you know, interpreting our suggestions um, and how we can just be good partners as opposed to like, nope, you just have to do it this way and I'm, I won't budge on it. Um, and just kind of finding the path to yes yeah. <laughs> with our with our with our peers. So I think um, I'm just going to ask a couple of questions that gives our audience and me a bit of context. So how many people are in Color Health? At this point, how many um, people are employed I in total? Want to see maybe eight hundred ish. Okay, cool. Or maybe I'm overestimating. Yeah, That's so right. not, well, finger like in the air is fine. Size? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in that, how many people are in the security space? So, in dedicated security roles. Um, 
We probably have about the standard size. I feel like security is usually like one to 2% of an org ish. Um, <laughs> we're eight and that's just security and GRC. So my org also is IT and a little bit of infrastructure. Um, so eight overall for just security and like governance things. That's, that's really helpful. And I, th- I love that you said about standard, because I think what we're learning in this adventure is standard is a funny f- phrase. Um, um, so, <laughs> it really is. But, but no, that's good. That's good to know. And so out of the rest of the organization, how many people are building software? Give or take. Ooh. Um, I don't actually know off the top of my head. We are definitely more focused on um, like health. So we have more health practitioners than we do software engineers, whereas other companies I've been at have been definitely more software engineer-centric. Our teams are very lean when it comes to um, building. Like I would say, well, I guess it depends on how the teams are divided up. Our teams are a little bit based off of products because we have very Mm -hmm. different products. So they're a little, it's a little different layout. Um, But I've been part of organizations that were like 150 people and 70 of those were like developer engineers. Yeah, (laughs) I think that's not that organization. (laughs) That's kind of why I was bringing it up, because um, one of the things that we're trying to unpick a little bit is the preconceptions of what normal looks like in a company that has a lot of technology or risk in it. You know, many of us come from organizations with, you know, 60% are engineers and that's just right. seen as normal or that has, a, you know, a one to 2% are security people on top of the engineers. Um, yes. But it, what's surprising and delighting me is there are so many incredible technologies being built out there that are used every day by thousands and thousands of people. But when you look at who's behind the technology, who's building, it's actually a very small team. Um, and so you, you see this big impact in the world, very small team, and then very small security team on top of that. Yeah. Does having that kind of, you know, because you've got that focus towards, and, and quite rightly, you know, the more healthcare practitioner side of the world, yeah. are there any challenges that come out of that when it comes to the more technical security controls that you're putting in place? Um, you know, how much of your focus would you say you have to spend on hey, this thing we're building, is it okay? Versus, hey, people and culture and the rest of the organization and process. What would you say the split is for you as, as a security practitioner? Hmm. Maybe maybe I would say it's like 50-50 even here. Wow. Um, it's a good balance. I think we, um, we definitely have the, like, let's review, uh, do design reviews and threat models and really get involved with the building. Um, but I think a lot of it too, is just, um, kind of building the holistic security presence at the company too, and knowing when to get involved where, um, and we are highly regulated. So I think that probably has to, is a good reason behind that too. We have to partner heavily with like other teams on all kinds of things just because of the regulatory climate and I and the company knows right so it's like getting through a compliance audit is like oh no we know what this is like this is very familiar because yeah it's not the first time we've seen this we have a healthcare data like we we are okay with with the terms and understanding what this means to us where where some I think it's just different at every company right yeah. sometimes you have to do a lot more um prepping and education around those things so so um kind of uh, 
I've got this nice section that I like to ask people about challenges, team. So, you know, yeah. poor, poor Lisa here, she's like, what, she can ask me, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> so what would you say is the hardest part then? You know, you've got good culture, you've got people already prepped for doing this, you've got a good 50-50 split between what you're doing, you already get the audit thing and it doesn't feel like a burden because you're regulated and you get it. I love all of this. So what sucks? <laughs> What's hurting? I know. I'm like, I'm just making it sound like nothing is ever wrong at any company. You know? <laughs> it's basically rainbows everywhere right now. <laughs> no, I am an optimistic person, but I'm not, I'm not <laughs> insane. And I know that it's not perfect. Um, what is the hard part? Um, I think really being able to prioritize what we should be doing when, um, be, and especially being a smaller team, there's so much we want to do. And like, for good reason, like, oh, it'd be so cool if we could do this. And we, we really want to get to this thing, but really being able to prioritize what's important for the company. Um, and hopefully sprinkle in some, like, what do people actually want to work on? Like maybe some mm. cool stuff we want to be learning in the meantime. Um, and how can we help like our partners and how can we, you know, reach the goals of the company while still kind of, you know, doing security. Um, so I think part of it really is just like prioritizing the work and what comes first um, and not, you know, being able to do a little bit of everything. <laughs> so. Do you think there's ever a size of team where you're able to get through everything we have to do in security? No. no. No, I'm feeling I like I the more I so. look at this, the more I think we're just pushing boulders up hills. Um, <laughs> I, that's a good question, though, because I think sometimes we we uncover things as we go and the, everything changes, right? The technology changes, the company's changing, the products are changing. So in a good way, it's a it's an ever changing cycle of of things um, like, oh, we're all going to Kubernetes. All right, let's figure out how we're going to deploy Kubernetes or, oh, today we're going to be multi-cloud or I don't know, whatever random thing your company is deciding to do. Oh, I think probably so, it's probably AI right now, if I'm honest. Yeah, AI. Yeah, let's use, <laughs> how are we going to integrate chat GPT or Copilot into everything we do? <laughs> okay, awesome. So uh, I think this has given us a good perspective. Firstly, you know, the health space has so many different types of data that I don't think many of us have ever really had to think about processing or protecting before. Um, but the culture is different from organizations who haven't been around that space because they're already aware that it's harmful to humans if these things go wrong. You've got a small team, but it's hard to prioritize. So how rapidly can you do change in, in an organization in health? So, and we were joking here about, you know, chat GPT and, and Kubernetes and whatnot, but, yeah. you know, from you know a high hype end of the scale where we've got you know folks who are deploy 100 times a day let's move fast and break stuff down yep. to i release every three years because i'm on an oil rig where are we on the right. scale <laughs> we uh we definitely um deploy several times a day like ability to so we're pretty um like modern SaaS company in that way i guess <laughs> um yeah. So yeah, we, I would say we're kind of, we're, we're like a technology company in that way. And yeah. I think also because of the size, like startups, I feel generally have an easier time adapting to change um, because there's not a lot of red tape. There's not like, we're not, mm. there's no waterfall method. Cause like, we don't have <laughs> well, go to the change committee. It's like, okay, it's a person, right? Yeah. Like, what is this <laughs> going to be? Um, it's like getting things through is a much smaller um, yeah. sprint as opposed to changing like this, you know, big policy and procedures that maybe larger companies have. So 
And that way we can be kind of experiment with new technologies and deploy things quickly because, you know, our stack's going to be smaller and our, you know, the people we have to get it through is a smaller group of people. So you're literally going to talk to the stakeholders, you know, like <laughs> once a week at least. Um, this this is really interesting. I, I think I, I had assumed, um, and quite wrongly it seems, um, that because of the regulation, because it was health, it would be slower. And it's really cool to hear that actually just because you're in a regulated industry, just because the data is sensitive, it doesn't stop you from doing those things. You've just got to be mindful when you are. Um, yes. Yeah. So we, and we were, we're super mindful. I think that's the thing too, is knowing like the space you can play in and test things out and then being like, if you have a really good idea about what you're doing for security and you feel safe there, then yeah. That, then, then you make I, the space to experiment. Yeah, that I think, and that's a really positive message. I think that it's not about what vertical you're in; it's about creating that sense of safety for you to know the risks, know how they're being managed, and then you can experiment within the constraints that you have. Um, so, what's the direction of health going? Like, this is like the airy fairy hand wavy question. Like, future, yeah. Lisa, what do you see? Um, <laughs> okay, so what's the future of health health technology? Where's it going? Hmm. Uh that's a good question. I'm actually am speaking of, of all the technology and AI and natural language processing tools. I think that's an interesting space. And I think we may be, we can, we may, we can totally leverage it in healthcare too. Um, like not just from, you know, maybe working with our coding technologies and, you know, just helping us be better, um, not not doing things for us, <laughs> but like really coaching us on how to be better like programmers, but also from the healthcare perspective, you know, just being able to take that and say, I don't know, maybe, maybe AI will have really good responses to questions our patients are asking that we would have to, we can pool all the doctors and, you know, get, have them create this database of solid knowledge and we can mm. pull from there. And not that everybody wants to talk to like a robot for therapy or anything, but <laughs> maybe some of us do actually. Hmm. <laughs> I feel like some validation we need to do there. <laughs> yes. We need to. Like no one needs to hear this except a non-human. <laughs> um, so I think there's some opportunity or yeah, there's some really people that I'm not sure of all where the space is today, but like some really cool opportunity to um have patients like be able to take what they're saying and turn that into something as opposed to using like, oh, I have one doctor who specializes in this one thing and has a very specific opinion, kind of like see, you know, get your, um, you have something wrong with you and you're like, I'll get a second opinion, I'll get a third opinion. Well, maybe we can get those opinions using using technology. So hmm. I don't know, I think, I think it's gonna be an, it's gonna be interesting to see where it goes. Um, yeah. The, the, I think this is cool. And I think it's a good t th time for us to be looking ahead like this, even if you're in a regulated industry. Regulation, yeah. you know, helps us stay within the confines of known safety. You know, it's a, yep. the, there's a tool behind it, but regulation tends to be retrospective. It looks back at what we have done before rather than what we will do in the future. Um, where yeah. do you see, you know, just to kind of ask you a hairy question to round this out, where do you see regulation will go for where security meets you know, sensitive data such as healthcare data. Yeah. Do you think it's going to get more restrictive or do you think it will adapt to the new technologies we're seeing pushed through? 
I hope it adapts, but honestly, I think it probably will be more restrictive. I think the first response is always very like tighten, tighten, tighten controls. Like we see it with privacy in general right now, where it's like, oh, nope, we should be, we should be more and more restrictive and more countries and states are, you know, tightening down on, on their requirements. Um, and, and for good reason, like you said, like regulation, it's there for a reason. Um, and we want to be, we want to protect our data, but at the same time, protect our data without, uh, you know, hindering like innovation and things that could, could help us. So yeah, healthcare, education, government, we don't have the best, uh, <laughs> the best model for that. We're kind of seen as archaic, right? Like, ah. <laughs> I, I think, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. You've either got the anarchy of no regulation or you've got, you know, fairly restrictive schemes at the moment. And I, I hope there'll be a middle ground with time. So I'm going to ask you for a call to action or a tip to give our audience before we say goodbye today. So um, if you were talking to someone who is building amazing things in the health space or pondering it one day, what's one tip you might give them for, you know, bringing security into their world? My tip would be um, to build relationships and trust with your with your stakeholders and your partners because um, relationships matter and they go a long way especially in security uh, I, I've just seen it go so sideways when you know we come across as like the department of no and um, just not not as partners as opposed to like just being being there to you know be good advisors and consultants and direct folks to the safe way of doing things, but not just saying no. Um, so I think that would be my advice. Like you can, you can reach your security goals. And a lot of it, I think more than we think relies on the relationships we make. Yeah. And I think that think that's a really important lesson. Health is a very human space. We are humans. Um, and we work much better when we connect with each other properly and communicate. So using that as a superpower seems like a really good tip for the audience. Yeah. Well, our time has come come to an end, Lisa. Oh, uh, it has been thank amazing. Thank you so much. Um, I'm still going to be thinking about how on earth I protect my DNA sequence and whether that ship has already <laughs> sailed, but that's okay. Yeah. That means I have food for thought. And if any of our audience are thinking about similar things, you know, pop in the comments and have a chat. Um, would be good to see how people are thinking about this, you know, complex space of us as people and our data and our health results and how we keep that safe. So thank you so much for your time, Lisa. It's been a joy. Um, thank you so much. Okay. And we'll see everyone soon.